It's time to stop dealing and start demanding. It's time to stop being PC and start being transparent and authentic. It's time to get rid. Prepare yourself. It's time for crazy and the king. Welcome to Crazy and the King. Happy April, I guess. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Let me tell you why I'm saying don't do it. I'm smiling because uh, I was actually reading something, Jay, and people were saying, I bet that there won't be folks doing pranks. Apparently, there are a lot of organizations that, like, they get wild on April 1st and they do some. <laughs> some crazy incredible things but but let me stop let me let my let me let my pop partner do her introduction start all over again start all over again all right here we go all right welcome to crazy and the king happy april fool's day oh we got we got it we got it we got it april 1st is all good april so you know and the other reason why i i i kind of put that pause on you I don't know. Is because um, I start this show with with a different feel. Um, needless to say, happy. Uh, we're moving through this this pandemic that we are in. Um, you know, I know that folks are adjusting in ways that they probably had not considered adjusting. Uh, I saw a meme the other day, Julie. Uh, this one was really funny. There's been several that have been funny, but someone put up a meme and said, it said parent, uh, something to the effect of struggling to do this homeschooling thing. And the lady just says, son, go ahead and work on your rap career. Uh, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, I like it. Yeah. Like forget all this. Just, you know, I, I, I guarantee you millions of parents uh, and adults around the country have a newfound appreciation for educators, you know? Oh my God, yes, and and there have been many great memes um, <laughs> around, but yeah, I think everyone is sort of this is at least for the Midwest and the East Coast uh, the week two uh, of the quarantine, and it seems like things are starting to settle down. Everybody's getting in that that work groove, sort of in that schooling groove, um, but it, it is a completely different and in some ways more relaxing, you know, way to kind of approach the day, but in a lot of ways, a more stressful way to approach the day. Yeah. And obviously a huge change for a lot of people. You and I are used to working at home. This is what we do. Um, you know, we travel to our clients and travel for conferences, but you know, I've got my office here and everything. So I think it's less impactful for me than it is for a, a lot of people, but even still, it's like, man, I thought it was, you know, Thursday all day on Tuesday, a couple, you know, a week ago. And so things are definitely different. Yeah. So let me ask you, I know you've been doing a lot of volunteering, which I absolutely applaud. What's one thing that perhaps you have picked up since you've been uh, in this stay at home, stay in place posture? Or, or have you set a goal for yourself to to learn anything while while you have some different time allocation on your hands. Yeah, I mean, 
the first thing is just enjoying time with having all of the kids home and, and sort of doing some of those silly things like playing games and watching dumb movies and going on walks and those kind of things together that when we get so busy, we just don't, don't do. Um, I've been making a lot of masks for our local hospitals, um, and we are doing some fundraising for our parent company, Ability Beyond. Um, they, we serve several hundred very, very vulnerable people with disabilities in residential services, and this is critical kind of timing for us to be able to keep people healthy and keep them taken care of. So we've really been focusing a lot on that. And I think next week, I think, don't hold me to this, but I'm going to try to start learning Portuguese mm. because I would like to live in Portugal someday. And so why not? I love that. Uh, you know, I shared the disability webinar. Uh, I'm going to make a donation uh, to such and and knock that out. So I would actually encourage others that are listening. If you uh, don't see the link, find the link on one of our Twitter feeds. You can find Julie at Julie Sowash, S-O-W-A-S-H. You can find me on Twitter at Torin Ellis. Uh, the other thing I'd ask you, Julie, is I like the the making of masks. Uh, and so might I encourage you to consider doing like a Facebook Live or filming it, if you will, and putting it up so we can maybe share that and let that go around and, and people can support their local hospitals in that particular way, because that's not a way that I thought about supporting them. And I know that they could probably use the support, certainly in various areas around the country. I love that you're doing all of that. Thanks. And it, and it actually just feels nice to be able to do something. I think where we all feel like we have very little ability to positively impact how this is moving through our communities, um, you know, charitable giving and and that physical, you know, action of making the mass has helped my mental health a lot. So there is, you know, some some reward in it for me outside of just uh, helping out the community. But it, it is it is a, a huge need right now. Yeah. So uh, all that said, let's get to our um, yeah. you know, our stories for this week. So longtime resident uh, of New Orleans, a longtime resident of New Orleans, uh, a lady by the name of Susan Daniels. She once said, I don't know exactly where she said it, whether it be a blog post, an interview live, talking to a friend. Uh, but she once said, I have hope, quote, I have hope, but I also carry the burden of history. And if history tells us anything, whether it be Superstorm Sandy or Hurricane Katrina, it's that our folks are going to die strong. I know it's a somber uh, yet strong. Hello to this week's pod. And, and I want our listeners to know that I promise it's not going to be a somber pod, but but it's a fitting quote. And I suspect many of you are exhausted and overwhelmed with all of the best practices and lists and reminders uh, regarding COVID-19. But we, Julie and I just felt like it was you know, important that we uh, take a positive aspect towards the pandemic. Um, and I'm going to start with a story that has a positive impact for people with disabilities. Uh, and Great. it's actually focused on the remote working conditions for that said audience. I found this uh, opinion piece written by Rebecca Coakley for, uh, and Rebecca is actually the director of the Disability Justice Initiative at the Center for American Progress. And American Progress, if you're not familiar, they are an independent nonpartisan policy institute here in Washington, D.C. 
Uh, but but her if, opinion. If piece, you don't follow, if you don't follow Rebecca on the socials, you absolutely should. She's one of the uh, leading uh, voices, advocates in our community. Not 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 necessarily around deployment, but just in general education and advocacy for the disability community. Sorry, Tor, go ahead. And no worries. I was actually going to pull up her Twitter handle, and I'll make sure we drop that before we get done. So she wrote a piece that actually. Um, uh, magnified the, the the times of national hardship. And I'd say uh, without reservation, we are in uh, times of hardship. And, and, and it, it, it triggers me to ask you, Julie, do you remember, um, do you remember how things were in the economic collapse of 2008? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, in all honesty, I was, um, struggling with my own stability at, at that point um, and, and wasn't as a, as a good of advocate for our community as I could have been. Um, but remember how impactful it was for me to find work and, and to um, really find something where I could be welcomed in a really, really tough economy. And I know that I didn't have it nearly as, as bad as most in our community. I can dig it. Uh, so back to the piece. Uh, Rebecca starts with a quote from two people. One of those individuals that she quoted in her article uh, happens to be an employee, a real employee. She doesn't you know, identify the organization and it's not even important. The other person that she quotes in the beginning of the piece is attending um, a college campus, taking courses on campus like, you know, millions of other uh, individuals, but in both instances, that employee and that student, they have a disability. Uh, and I don't know exactly what that disability is, but what she's getting at in the quote is the employer was unwilling to to make just simple modifications uh, to accommodate uh, that employee. I mean, when I say simple, I mean simple modification. I think the modification was, can we work a different hour? Not an hour that would inconvenience the business being done, but just can we work a different hour? And the employer found that to be, quote, an undue burden. Uh, in the yes. other example, you know, the the person just wanted to take some courses online and and people from the college said, well, well, if you can't if you can't be here physically, then maybe you don't need to go to college. Uh, just real, real harsh uh, positions. And, and this is not new to to people that are underrepresented. This is not new going back to that quote we used to start the show that uh, uh, around history telling us anything uh, and, 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 and people suffering because folks are not willing to to make just minor adjustments. And I know that this is not new to you, uh, Julie. I know it's not new to you. And so what she's really hinting at now is that companies, both organizations of all sizes, and academic institutions are actually making provisions for these types of requests that the disability community has asked for for years, Julie, for years. Yep. Yeah. And so what I think is, I think this is overall, this is an incredibly interesting topic from a just the baseline of how many employees have been told for their entire careers that if their butt isn't in the seat at eight and their butt isn't in the seat at five o'clock, then they don't have 
the value or the productivity that they should be having, as in they need sort of that supervision or that babysitting to be able to get their job done. And I, I there's an old quote, and I use it all the time with my team, is I don't hire people I can't trust. Hmm. And so I don't care where you work or how you do it. If you get it done, then we're good to go. Absolutely. And this is this is going to be a much larger conversation than people with disabilities as an entire workforce realizes that they can do their work from home. They can be just as productive, if not more productive than they are when they're not commuting and they're not worried about their kids and they're not worried about other things and they can focus on their job. For people with disabilities, I think historically, Rebecca, is, is she's really spot on in terms of very simple accommodation requests being rejected out of hand and not with, with any seriousness. And the other opportunity that this is going to provide um, in, in this pandemic, if we're looking for the, the silver linings, is, is twofold. One is people with disabilities who are asking for those accommodations are now going to have proof positive that these are reasonable accommodations and the work can be done productively from home. And the the second one is that it, I, I do believe not for every company, but for a lot of companies, it is going to change how they work. And it's going to provide more opportunity for people who perform better with disabilities outside of, of a traditional work setting to get those jobs, to have those opportunities without so much worrying about if I'm in a wheelchair and I roll into the interview, if I do this, if I do that, it's it's going to create a different sense of confidence and a different set of opportunities for people with disabilities. And as employers, we're going to have to reckon with the reality that we've been denying those requests out of hand, not based on facts or information, but simply because we don't want to make that accommodation. Because we don't want to, um, you know, and I just think about the the denial of making these accommodations. And, and I ask myself, Julie, how many, uh, you know, career aspirations have been derailed? How many uh, uh, educational pursuits have been stalled, if not um, disregarded altogether, evaporated altogether? merely because organizations and academic institutions felt the way that the two individuals uh, experienced in this particular OZY, uh, OZ article. You know, how many times have we, you know, just unnecessarily placed people in, um, you know, just uh, insidious, um, you know, scenarios and, and, and compromising positions because we couldn't say to ourselves, we will uh, adjust the interview or we will put the type of phone that they need on their desk, on their desk, that we will make our website, uh, you know, accessible to a, a wider variety of individuals, not just abled individuals. How many times have we derailed uh, people's pursuits in life. I, I think about, did you watch Crip Camp on Netflix, that documentary? 
It's on my list. We're watching it this weekend. Okay, got it. So I won't tell you anything about it. Uh, I actually want to talk about that. Maybe maybe we'll do it in a future pod. Maybe I'll have you yeah. come on, uh, you know, my IG live with me, and maybe we can talk about it there. Um, but 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 there's this one image there that just was seared into my 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 focus, and and it was an image of people in wheelchairs being lifted up in the back of of a moving truck and they didn't show how they were strapping people in, but, but there was no accessible transportation in DC and it was the only way. So here we are with a moving truck, a moving truck outside of the airport, picking people up in wheelchairs because there's no accessible transportation to move them around the city. This is not something that's new. It, it is something that, and if you have any degree of empathy and connectedness and you detach yourself from your privilege, and clearly I did not say white privilege, I said privilege. So that means a person like myself who I might face certain circumstances in certain scenarios, but but I'm 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 immune or perhaps not aware of the circumstances of others because of my privilege, so to speak. And, and I just feel like, you know, it's images like that, that keep me grounded and remind me often and always how we have to be considerate of humanity in a very totalic, totalic type of way. I know totalic is not a real word, but you get my point. <laughs> We're adding it. Um, I, and so the the other interesting point that Rebecca didn't get into a lot in her story, but she kind of uh, breezes upon is, you know, the kind of statements that you talked about is, if, you know, if you can't work at home or if you can't be at the office, if you can't be in class, then you just shouldn't be here. Um, that kind of language and that kind of lack of empathy and inability to make simple accommodations is is a, is a strong form of ableism where able-bodied people dismiss the humanity and the and the value of people with disabilities because they function differently than an able-bodied person does. And you know what what's going to be really important here is as you mentioned at the top of this segment is how diverse communities are impacted swiftly and often most harshly during times of crisis and times of economic downturn and as we continue to allow as employers those slights to happen those ableistic attitudes and behaviors to be overlooked or even approved of in our workforces, then we create in these situations where people with disabilities and other groups are are more, even more vulnerable. And I want to give you a, a real example of that is as the, the states have during this pandemic started to create their um, emergency declarations so they can enact a lot of different um, things to help mobilize their communities to fight the pandemic. At least three of those states have included language about um, priority of, of care, priority of service, and refusal to or, or the ability to deny care to people with mental disabilities, to people with developmental disabilities, to people with physical disabilities, 
because they don't have the same value as a person who can walk across the room. And, and that, is, that is the result of us continuing to allow these aggressions towards people with disabilities in our workplace, that, that is, they are directly connected. And so when we're out of times of crisis, we have to be even more committed to overcoming those aggressions. No, you're absolutely right. And Rebecca has a number of articles and stories uh, that she's dropped across the web. I, I highly encourage you to follow Rebecca. Like Julie said, she's on Twitter at Rebecca Coakley. That's C-O-K-L-E-Y. Again, Rebecca with two C's, Rebecca Coakley, C-O-K-L-E-Y. She has a number of writings. Uh, and just to bring this one to a close, Julie, uh, I was actually unfamiliar with the hashtags uh, see us Schumer uh, and another hashtag what we need hashtag what we need. And so I just encourage all of our uh, listeners click the link for the OZ story, uh, which Julie will put inside of the show notes and then take some time to get out on Twitter and perhaps some of the other social media feeds and look up the hashtag see us Schumer uh, short for Chuck Schumer, I'm sure. Uh, and the other hashtag, what we need, so that you can begin to, to build that empathy muscle for an audience that you may not necessarily interact with as much. We do not want anyone to be uh, ignored or left behind. And we most certainly don't want, as Julie said, the most vulnerable upon us, among us, I should say, uh, to be ignored or left behind. Cool. Absolutely. Awesome. Great way to wrap it up. Um, So I just have kind of our dumb, dumb and dumber story of of the week. You got to have one. I mean, come on. (laughs) It wouldn't be right for us to not include one. Come on. Man, sometimes you just got to shake your head. Yeah. Um, So this is from um, Fox News in Austin, as well as the IB Times um, and Oklahoma Company out of, or I'm sorry, an Oklahoma company, an IT company called ImageNet Consulting, uh, decided the day after the Senate passed our our most recent stimulus, which is called the CARE Act, uh, they sent out an employee acknowledgement of, of government assistance, basically form that was to be signed by all employees um, who would receive a cash payment from the government, um, which we're, we're all um, expecting some form of in the next few months, that they would dock their wages in the amount equal to what they received. And in addition, may also dock their wages for... <laughs> of any child tax credit that they might get. So if they got 500 additional for having a child under 16, they take 250 of that as the employer. Hold on for a second. I just want to make sure people heard you. I know. So check this out. What you're saying is that in the midst of this pandemic, when unemployment uh, is predicted to go somewhere between 30 and 42, 43%, when people have been remanded to stand in their residence, some of them are working inside of the residence. And thank God for those individuals who are uh, uninterrupted in terms of compensation. 
But you have a number of people, millions, I believe the number a few weeks ago for unemployment claims shot up three million or so people. So what you're saying to me is that for anyone who receives in this particular instance, this example right here, if they receive a stimulus of some sort that the company is going to dock them. Yes. In that can, same amount. How can they do that? Um, I don't know that they can do that, but oh, I oh, think so that's, that's where the dumber dumber comes in. I got it. I got it. It's all. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if they can do it. Um, but I think that they really thought that they would just fly under the radar because everybody's trying to keep their job. Everybody's trying to be agreeable. Right. And so, and, and let me tell you a little bit about ImageNet. So like, as I mentioned, they're, they're an IT consulting firm um, based out of Oklahoma. They have an office in Austin and their 2018 revenue was over $120 million and they had 40% profit margins, 40%. Mm-hmm. What, what, what business does that, right? And so financially healthy, great, incredible margins. And they understandably as a consulting organization are going to be hit hard um, by, by this pandemic, but their idea to manage that crisis was to steal. Let's be honest. That is not money that they earned. That is not money that they have provided a service for. They decided to steal from their employees the, the, and, and let's be honest again, they're going to steal our money as taxpayers who are paying for this stimulus to support their coffers. I, it's just holy shit incredible that any company could just think that this was going to fly. And so when this obviously it, it got leaked to the press, an employee from the Austin office um, leaked it out to the press, the form and everything. And they'd already laid off about 25% of their staff. So they'd already taken some, some action. And what I didn't think about that the IB, the IB times pointed out. So, so clearly in their article is that the employees who stayed and signed the agreement and, and gave over their $1,200, if, if that would have happened, would actually be financially worse off more than likely than those that got laid off. They wouldn't be eligible for any unemployment benefits, and they would have very little recourse in terms of protections um, from the federal or state government. And so it's just a, a all the way around really bad idea. Well, let me just hit you with a bit of breaking news, uh, a bit of breaking news. And I know that uh, for our listeners, you may, by the time this episode airs, you may have already seen this. But just as of yesterday, Julie, um, it was reported, uh, it looks like Fox 6 Now, which is, uh, I believe, an Austin, Texas-based news station. They said that the company is actually resending that particular position. Um, it, it, can I, can I read this quote from one of the company yeah. people? Okay, cool. So, uh, quote, it says, while there was uncertainty about the federal government response, we also asked a small group of employees to reduce their compensation by an amount equal to any government support they received. Russell wrote in a statement, 
Uh, our intentions were to serve the greater good and protect our most vulnerable employees. However, we understand our plan was ill-advised. We have rescinded the potential program and we apologize for any pain or confusion it caused. That is by Pat Russell, the president of ImageNet. And so I appreciate you for raising it because it actually forced me to get online quickly. Uh, and I just uncovered literally, uh, you know, the day before we recorded this episode, they said uh, we were dumb and dumber and we need to do better. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think this is another really good point that we're seeing in companies' behaviors right now. So it, as I don't know if you've seen it, but Jeff Bezos and Amazon created a fund that employees can donate to or the public can donate to to support a, a affected Amazon employees and their families. Again, I'm all for some charity yeah, we, and, and some yeah, philanthropic. Listen, can I just say that's the, that's the biggest sandbox of bullshit. Oh, um, thank you. Yeah, I mean, come on now. Listen, you, you, I am all for working yes. collectively and together. And I didn't mean to cut you off, Julie, but like, no, you're fine. like really like got under my skin. Here we are. Um, you know, one of the richest, wealthiest people in the world, forget the country, the world, you have other organizations where CEOs are foregoing compensation altogether. I'm, I, and, and equally at almost the same time, the announcement went, you know what? I'm not even going to say that because that's personal. And we try to have respect for, you know, people in their personal lives on our podcast. We also try to be very accurate. We try not to deliver, um, you know, disparaging or absolutely conspiracy laced news. So I'm not going to say what I was going to say because it touches on the personal side and that's not fair to him. But I do believe him asking others to donate is bullshit. It is. It is. And and that's what Russell tried to, um, you know, give the, the same excuse that they were going to use those funds to support uh, affected um, employees, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, you got 40% margins. You've got 40% margins. Do not ask me as the taxpayer, do not ask your employees who need this money to provide the security that you should be providing your staff with after they have been loyal and produced not only that type of profit, but those types of margins. And so, you know, those bullshit excuses are just not going to fly anymore. In income and inequality in this country is growing at the most rapid clip at it, it has in our history. And companies are not going to be able to hide behind these kind of behaviors anymore. No, not at all. Not at all. So, you know, again, I appreciate you for, you know, finding the lunacy across the Internet uh, and, you know, and not in a way so so that we could pick fun, but in a way that we can continue to, uh, again, just stay connected and grounded as we all are. You know, if you're listening to this, you're you are a person listening because you want to do better around diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging in your workplace. So thank you, Julie, for, for highlighting that particular story. I don't have any resources this week in, in a specific way. Uh, again, there's a, a, a range of information out there for, for those of you who are, um, you know, si sincere. You can get the Elyria, A-L-E-R-I-A newsletter. You can follow Ellen McGirt. 
uh, at hashtag race ahead across all of Twitter. Uh, you can look at the work that uh, Yvonne Hutchinson and her team are doing over at Ready Set. So there are a number of resources out there. Do you have any resources? Uh, nope, just a, a name drop for me this week. Uh, Theo, Theo Smith, um, host of the Neurodiversity Podcast out of London. Um, just big name drop to him this week for inviting me on to be a guest on his show. Um, it, really a, a fun and enjoyable conversation from a, a different perspective. Um, and I, I'm thinking we'll probably be returning the favor and having him as a guest in our show later in 2020. Yeah, I like Theo and I liked you all's conversation. I intimately listened to such. Seriously. Thank you. And I learned something myself in listening to the podcast. So both you and Theo, you had a a great conversation. It was dynamic. It was informative. And it's a 30, 32 minute listen that I would encourage others to take advantage of. My name drop, uh, Jennifer Brown of Jennifer Brown Consulting. Uh, She's holding these uh, weekly engaging community calls. I believe she's doing them on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 12 p.m. noon Eastern time. I don't know how long she's going to do them. So I would encourage you, uh, if you want more information on her uh, community calls, follow her on Twitter at Jennifer Brown or visit her website, jenniferbrownspeaks.com. Awesome. So um, just one thing in terms of seeing or or talking to everyone, uh, you and I are going to be guests on Recruiting Brain Food, um, brought to us by Hung Lee um, on April 17th. And we're going to be talking about hitting the reset button on DNI post coronavirus. So I'm looking forward to that and, and seeing your face on uh, Facebook Live. And I didn't know you were going to be joining me. So that makes me smile. This is going to be real cool on the 17th. And, and supposed to it. say we planned it that way. It. So I don't know. I didn't know. Like, seriously, I didn't know you were going to be rocking with me. I'm over here smiling. I'm like scrolling through my joint. Like, wait a minute. Uh, I didn't know I had. So uh, it's going to be early, but it's all good. We're going to rock and roll on, on April 17th. You're absolutely right. And so again, We close reminding each and every one of you, we do it the same way each and every time we do a pod, but we really want to to encourage you to use this digital um, resource and to share it with other members in your digital tribe, to push it out across all of social media. Again, reminding you to follow Julie on Twitter at Julie Sowash, that's S-O-W-A-S-H. And of course, you can find me on Twitter. I want you to use your voice, even in a remote capacity. Now is equally as important as any other time before that we don't lose sight of inclusion and representation. Like, what are you going to do to make sure that the message and the effort is still something central to your organization, central to your organization, central to your organization? For now, we're Ghost. See ya. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.